This morning our scripture reading is Second uh, Thessalonians 2, if you could turn to your Bible there. Most of our time will be spent on verses 3 and 4, but we'll read the whole chapter. So Second Thessalonians 2. Come now before the Lord to hear His holy, inerrant, and inspired word. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was, with, when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, when the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, and establish them in every good work and word. Thus says the word of the Lord. You may want to keep your Bibles open and in front of you. Um, there's quite a bit to go over as far as the revelation of the end of the age, and it's kind of throughout all the Bibles, so I'll, I'll kind of be referring to some different places as we move along. Um, you know, just as... Just as God gradually reveals this one plan of redemption throughout the whole uh, Old Testament, the historical narrative, and just as God gradually reveals His church doctrine during the church age, God has gradually revealed the winding down of redemption leading to the end of the age. And we see all this in Scripture. You know, Paul sent a, his first letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he mentioned in there about the second coming. And apparently he talked about it when he had met with them. But apparently it caused confusion. 
It caused speculation. So Paul writes his second letter to clear up that confusion, among other things. And we can see this in verses 1 and 2 of our text today. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And that could also be translated, the day of the Lord is at hand. So apparently there was quite a bit of speculation going on after Paul's first letter. So we see in verse 2, there's speculation coming by spirit. So that's self-speculation. There was speculation by someone's spoken word, someone else's speculation. And there was speculation by letter, written. Someone's written speculation. And we see speculation all throughout. All up until today. But there's a difference between speculating and discerning. Paul tries to clear it up here. He says, look, the second coming will not happen until the apostasy and the man of lawlessness. But for today, our main theme, our main theme we need to focus on and we know according to Ephesians 1.15 and other passages, only when all whom God has predestined for adoption to himself have been gathered, then Jesus will come. Jesus will not come because of you know, violence in the world, because violence and tribulation becomes severe. He's not going to return because the corruption of the world becomes severe. He's not going to come because of the apostasy. He's not going to come because of the ban of lawlessness. Not because of anything man can do, has done, or will do. Christ's second coming is for one reason, and one reason only. Only when all whom God has predestined for adoption to himself have been gathered, redemption is complete. Then Jesus will return. We cannot be distracted by speculation. You know, however, Paul does teach about the preceding great apostasy and the man of lawlessness. So we're going to look at that a little bit today. Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reveals to us the providence of God that will be at work within the world prior to the end of the age. So today in our message, we will look at three points. Paul speaks of God's providence to allow a great apostasy. Paul speaks of God's providence to allow the man of lawlessness. And Paul has spoken and will continue to speak of God's providence working in the world until every single person God predestined for adoption to himself has been gathered after that. Christ will return. I told you that I read Genesis 6, 2 Thessalonians 2. There's a connection between the two. I want to point that out here because it's going to help us to understand the great apostasy. So if you remember the uh, 
Jesus spoke on the Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse. He speaks of the end of the age. If you remember, if you want to turn to Matthew 24, we'll be looking at that briefly. But in Matthew 24, the disciples of Jesus are in the temple. And as they leave the temple and they're on their way up the Mount of Olives, some of the disciples turn around and they go, Look, look how beautiful it is. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 24, 1 and 2. Jesus left the temple and was going away when the disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The conversation ended for a while. The disciples were thinking about this. What does he mean by this? And as they went up to the mount, up on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sat down. Immediately the disciples rush over and they hit him with a barrage of three questions. When will the destruction of the temple be? What will be the sign of your coming to set up your kingdom? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus does answer all three of those. Sometimes they're intermingled, but he does answer all three of those questions. But concerning the end of the age, here's what he said, Matthew 24, 36-39. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Think about it. If all Jesus wanted to say was, it'll be, you know, business is normal. They'll be eating, drinking, marrying, giving a marriage. He could have just said that. Jesus could have pointed to any time in history and said it'll be like that time. He pointed us to the time before the, pl- the flood, Genesis 6. Jesus specifically pointed at that time. And what do we remember about the last time we looked at that? Man remained the same before the flood, after the flood. Genesis 6, 5, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 8, 21. And this was Noah coming off after the flood. Genesis 8, 21. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. All people, before the flood, after the flood. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Second, When we looked at Genesis 6, we saw that God allowed the sons of God to come into the daughters of men. He allowed the corruption of the sons of God, allowing sin to go unrestrained. Violence broke out all over the world. When the sons of God grew corrupt by the daughters of men, violence, as the sons of God decreased, as they became with the daughters of men, Violence increased. God chose Noah and his family to be his vessel of mercy to continue the seed line of the sons of God. Judgment came. The flood. Global judgment. 
read in Genesis 9, and it's confirmed in Luke, the seed line of God continued through Shem, and the seed line of the enemy continued in Ham. The division continued on. And we see, speaking of the apostasy, we see corruption all along throughout history. We see corruption of religion. This is not new. We see apostasy. It's not new. Violence, tribulation, none of it's new. Deceivers of the truth. Men teaching apart from the law of God. Lawlessness, not new. We need to understand the scheme of the enemy so we can discern in the world these attacks that go on. Starting in the garden, we see the enemy's scheme. The enemy flipped the order of things as God had declared them to be. God alone as God, as creator, has all authority to declare the ordering of his creation. God declares. He is the authority. Man serves God. Woman is a helper. Both are equally image bearers of God, but God declares an order. Himself over all things he creates, then man, then woman, then creatures, and the rest of creation. God rules over all his, all he creates. Man is to rule over all creatures and creation with the help of the woman. Together, God declares they would rule over the creation. The enemy reversed that order. God allowed a testing of man. Think of what happened in the garden. A creature speaks to the woman. Man watches. The creature attempts to rule the woman's actions, deceiving and tempting the woman to steal, to take, enticing the woman of the beauty and benefit of the fruit. The man watches. The woman takes. The woman gives to the man and he takes. You know, we know everything belongs to God. God allowed man to take of everything that belongs to him except one of his possessions. The creature ruled man. Ruled man's actions. When man followed the temptation, man stole from God, sin and death entered the creation. We see from that point on, man is spiritually dead. Man's will is bound to sin, bound to the enemy. The enemy rules his earthly kingdom. But God rescues and redeems. There's this cycling that goes on throughout our history. Now, one of my professors names that this cycle with five R's. Rebel, retribution, repent, rescue, restore. Man rebels. God sends retribution, that is punishment, judgment. Man repents. God rescues. God restores. Cycling over and over and over. We see it in the Old Testament. Just read through Judges. You will see that cycle going over and over. Read through Kings over and over. Soon prophets come on the scene to explain the cycle. To explain the one true and eternal plan of rescue and restoration. God's one plan of redemption. Cycling, cycling until God steps in. The seed of David, 
the rescuer, the justifier, the true Christ, the true Christ, born to a woman, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, fully man, fully God, lived a righteous life, completed the task of Adam, lived a righteous life, condemned, arrested, beaten, tortured, hung on a cross, nailed at the hands of man. Then God's wrath poured out on His Son for our sins. Christ, the rescuer. Jesus rose from the grave. He restored. He defeated death. He is the rescuer and restorer of His people for Himself. At that time was the restoration of the true church. But concerning the apostasy, back to our text, verse 3 and 4, Let no one deceive you in any way, but that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. What is an apostasy? You know, for an apostasy to be true, there needs to be a time of true profession, a profession of faith. An apostasy could be an individual, a group, an institution, a turning away from a true profession of faith. And an apostasy does not necessarily mean confessing Christ and then turning away to deny God. That's not necessarily true. No, an individual, a group, an institution that has confessed Christ but turns away to profess anything other than the true God. True Father, the true Son, true Holy Spirit, true Word of God, turns away to now profess the world is ultimate. Man is ultimate. Some know God, but more often, they turn away to profess a false religion. A false God, a false Jesus, a false Holy Spirit. Or no Holy Spirit, whatever it is, it's false. The Lord Paul is speaking of an apostate Christian-looking church, not an apostasy to deny God, not to become atheists. It's a Christian-looking church that has become yoked to the world, dragged off, corrupted by the beauty of the world, becoming married to the world, to self, to worldly systems. So what would an apostate Christian Christian-looking church look like? Well, according to the parable, we could think of it this way. Instead of some weeds amongst the wheat, it will be some wheat amongst the weeds. The weeds will dominate with a sprinkling of wheat, or maybe no wheat. Simply stated, an apostasy is the falling away from true faith. Falling away from the true faith is revealed by God's word, not according to speculation, 
included will be in a falling away from true doctrine, a falling away from true worship, at the individual level, a falling away from true sanctification. Sanctification meaning truly becoming more and more like Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit, by the true Word of God. No, what it'll look like is to become more and more like a good citizen of the world. Not a citizen of God's eternal kingdom. You know, the enemy has worked hard to corrupt the true church. There's been corruption, but not to the level we will see during the great apostasy. The great apostasy allowed by God as he winds down redemption to its completion. So just to name a few of these enemies, the attempts by the enemy to try to set up the apostate church. Pelagius, over and against Augustine. But the Pelagius doctrine of apostasy, was, it was too broad, too wide. It's too easily spotted. It was easily refuted by Augustine in the church. You know, the church drifted off into a Roman apostasy for quite a long time. But God rescued and restored by the Reformation. And he added to the true creeds of the church. Out of the Reformation came confessions, catechisms. Doctrine is forming. True doctrine. Next up to bat for the enemy, Arminius. The Remonstrants declared five points of Arminianism refuted by the canons of Dort, another document. The canons of Dort, a subordinate document added to the creeds, confessions, and catechisms. Another forming of the true doctrines of the church. But the, the semi-Pelagian, the Armenian doctrines are not snuffed out. But the enemy refines the doctrines of apostasy, paring it down so that it can be hidden in the true doctrine of the church, a clever counterfeit, a clever camouflage, a reversal of just three steps of the order of salutes, the order of salvation, solidified by the Reformation, just three steps reversed by the enemy. How? How did he do it? Next up to bat for the enemy, Charles Finney. If you've never heard of Charles Finney, he was the he was the one that started the uh, altar calls. The he he set up that the uh, a bench for people to come down and sit on. Charles Finney was a lawyer by trade, and he knew how law worked. He knew that he by his strength and his power he could convince people. And so he turned that around, thinking he was called by God. He turned that around and applied that into a ministry. He wrote a systematic theology. I wouldn't recommend reading it, but you might skim the, the table of contents. You can see it's a worldly theology. Charles Finney. What, is this, what are the three points that he reversed the order of? First, what did God declare? God declared, sinful, fallen man must be first born again, a new living heart created. Second, the Holy Spirit works faith into a new living heart. And third, 
man wholeheartedly believes. The apostate doctrine, Charles Finney. Charles Finney declares the counterfeit in such a way that it is beautiful to the eyes. It is accepted and actually taken into the church. The apostate doctrine. First, God waits for sinful man to believe. God waits for sinful man to hear the gospel and choose to believe. Second, that, that belief, by that belief, man develops his own faith. And third, God is pleased. The sinner is born again. And Charles Finney was back in the 1800s. And actually, even up to today, that third step has been distorted within recent times to the point that being born again is considered beneficial but optional. Before our message today, we'll consider the two opposing orders of salvation to be God declares born again faith believed in that order. Man declares, the enemy declares, believe faith born again in that order. The enemy works hard to reverse the order God declares. And why is that? The enemy is clever and knows full well how to best destroy the true church. Best way to corrupt humanity is not by tyranny, but by a cleverly disguised, a very well-produced counterfeit of the truths of God, the true gospel message. Because the enemy has learned that when the true church of God is corrupted and replaced by a clever counterfeit, just as in Genesis 6, Violence will follow. We see it today. But because of the gradual increase of violence, we have become desensitized. The mass killing of unborn babies, the world embraces it. God's children should be horrified. And we are. But we see some of the so-called church accepting, especially in politics, to gain votes. And we've become desensitized, desensitized to agree as well. Mass shootings. Fifty years ago, if you talked about all these mass shootings going on, you'd be called crazy. Mass shootings, day after day after day. We're desensitized. We're paralyzed. Our government is fragmented. Politics is no longer a debate over issues of life. No. They're resorting to violence, killing, whatever it takes. Increased violence, increased hate. You know the irony of it all? The increased violence and increased hate on all sides is proclaimed to be done in the name of love. And as the church shrinks down, violence increases. We know this will take place because God tells us it will. Tells us it will. A time will come when God will let up on the restraints of sin. We see it all around us. In verses 6 and 8 of our text today, talks about the restraining power being let, let up. God will allow a great apostasy as redemption winds down. 
But who's this man of lawlessness? Could such a man as described here come on the scene and be worshipped by the fallen world? You know, there's a lot of controversy here. Is it the spirit of lawlessness, as like we have seen all along, or an actual final man of lawlessness? Let me read First John 2, and forgive me if I, I'm going to add some emphasis here as we go along. First John 2, verses 18-25. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist, meaning one, is coming. So that now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. That's not just the Antichrist going out. They dragged people out with them. Anyone that yoked themselves to those people, those false teachers, they got dragged out in the world as well. For if they had been with us, of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, and you all have knowledge I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and Son. No one who denies the Father has the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us. Eternal life. Will a final man of lawlessness arrive on the scene who will not confess Christ because he will claim to be Christ? You know, it boggles the mind to think that this could happen in this day and age. But what if the enemy... What if the enemy has taught a reverse order of things? A reversing of the order of the end of the age. And it's spreading out throughout the world. Setting the stage for such a person. What if an offshoot of the doctrine of apostasy concerning the end times sets that stage and God allows it? What type of eschatological sorry, teaching End times teaching might be in place to allow for such a man to come on the scene to be accepted. Again, what does God teach about the order of the end of the times? We see it right here. There will be a great apostasy leading to great violence, tribulation, followed by a man of lawlessness, then the return of Christ, a rapture of the saints who are alive at the time. Redemption is complete. All who have been predestined to be adopted will have been redeemed, adopted with a great shout, a great noise, Christ will return. We can shorten that down. God declares apostasy, tribulation, man of lawlessness, return of Christ, rapture of the saints. What would the false church teach? A reversing of those orders. Once more, apostasy, tribulation, Second coming, man of lawlessness, redemption, complete, return to Christ, rapture, closing at the end of the age. 
man proclaims. First they rapture. They rapture at believers. Meeting Christ in the air. Second, tribulation. Third, man of lawlessness. And after a period of time in the air, the defeat of the man of lawlessness by Christ in order that Jesus may set up a thousand year kingdom on earth in Jerusalem. Then a final battle, the close of the end of the age. <clears throat> you know, not to get stuck in the middle of all these muddy details of the lawless end times, but to focus on one of the steps. One aspect of the lawless end times teaching, that reversed order. The idea that Jesus will reign on the earth for 1,000 years, a millennium. It is being taught today. And it is highly anticipated that Jesus will reign on the earth for 1,000 years. The seed of deception has been planted. When, if the man of lawlessness comes on the scene and proclaims he is the Lord, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God, <coughs> God allows it. The man of lawlessness will come on the scene, maybe usher in peace in the midst of tribulation, Great signs and wonders we see in verse 9. All permitted by God to be performed, shutting down all false religions, any so-called gods, all so-called objects of worship, so that he takes his seat in the anticipated temple, the anticipated thousand-year reign, the millennial kingdom, proclaiming himself to be God. And the fallen world will flock to that man of lawlessness, the Antichrist. And violence and tribulation will be redirected to the true church, the true saints, who will be killed, slaughtered, put in jail for our faith. We will be called the false church, who refuses to bow down to the man of lawlessness, who will be believed by the fallen world to be God. But the true children of God will persevere to the end. <coughs> See, it's just like Job. Job was allowed to be tried and tested in tribulation. The enemy said, He will, he will turn on you, God. He will turn on you. Same thing. The church will turn on you. If, if I do all this, the church will turn on you. Matthew 24, 24. The enemy plans and schemes to send false teachers, false prophets throughout the creation <clears throat> during the church age, in particular to lead astray the elect, to keep even one of the elect from redemption, trying to prove his power, his worthiness to be worshipped. Just one of the elect, if he could keep them from redemption. Just one culminating in a global apostasy, a global turning from the truth of God to the truth of man until the final deception, the man of lawlessness who will be ushered in by the teaching of the global apostasy. But God, we as his people need to stand firm on our assurances and on the promises that God, what, what God wills without error, 
redeeming all he is predestined to adoption to himself. It will happen. <clears throat> God has so determined a time for gathering his people to himself. We know that God is sovereign and that God, by God's providence, Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. Romans 8.38.39 for I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, no angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is not only true for those who are already in Christ, but also true for all who have been predestined for adoption to himself. And who adopts? A child doesn't choose who will, who will adopt. The father is predestined for adoption to himself. Nothing, absolutely nothing, can frustrate that adoption taking place. Not death or life, not angels or rulers. Nothing present. Nothing to come, no powers. No earthly powers, no heavenly powers, no height, no depth. Absolutely nothing in creation. No angel, no demon, nothing can frustrate the adoption, the redemption. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Why? Because Christ has been given all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all those the Father has given to Him. And even though the true church will suffer at the hands of the man of lawlessness, as we see in Daniel 7, verse 25, He will speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into His hand for a time, times, and half a time. The man of lawlessness may very well usher in a change of time according to the teaching of the Millennial Kingdom, and change the law of God, the word of God, to lawlessness, the word of man, and the true believers will be given into the man of lawlessness' hand for a time. Also Revelation 13, 5. And the beast was given a mouth utterly haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Allowed. God allows. And Jesus, again on the Mount of Olives, to all the discord, answering both questions. When will the temple be destroyed? And when will the end of the age be? Matthew 24, 9-14. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another. Hate one another. All who have been yoked to the world will be dragged off into the world. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, violence, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, the end will come.
this gospel will, will be proclaimed. We remember there's a true theology of the one plan of redemption, and it must include the order God has determined. You must be born again, having faith, worked into a new living heart by the Holy Spirit in order to believe, to be sanctified, to repent, to be justified, that peace with God, to have access to God, to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Any theology emanating from any other order of salvation will be lawlessness. The global apostasy may very well be ushered in may very well usher in the man of lawlessness by a lawless teaching. We cannot say for sure it will be an imposter setting up a millennial kingdom, an imposter, an antichrist, proclaiming to be God, but it will be similar. We cannot know the severity of the violence that will ensue due to the great apostasy, but what we can know for certain each and every one God has predestined for adoption to himself will be redeemed, will be adopted, and a day will come when the redemption is complete, and on that day, Christ will return. Our call to stand firm in the faith, persevere, maintain the true confession, faithfully preach the word of God, Faithfully administer the sacraments. Maintain proper church discipline. We don't know. God may send repentance. He may rescue the church. He may restore the church. Another reformation. A new cycle begins. <coughs> or we may be in the final cycle. Let us pray. Once again, we come before the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, graciously grant that your word, which we have heard, may be inscribed inwardly in our hearts. Fill our hearts with your desires. Desires that are well suited for your plans and the purposes you have for our lives. <coughs> Help us to be strong, to endure, to persevere. And as we have received your word meekly with pure affection, <clears throat> may our hearts be filled with love, emanating in awe and reverence for you, and may we glorify you in all that we do. Cause us to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to live in holiness, diligently following your commandments. Create in us that which is pleasing to your love, so that we may engage in that greatest activity any human may engage in, Loving you, mighty, Almighty Father, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And may it please you to use us to lead those who are lost, wandering, and confused into the way of truth and to love you. 